Contrary to popular belief, there's actually an argument to be made that South Carolina's defense doesn't have to worry as much about their upcoming matchup with the Missouri Tigers offense. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Line, the host of this podcast and a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both wherever you get your audio podcasts daily and also on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I know that right now in Gamecock country, there is a lot of concern regarding the defense for South Carolina's football team, how they performed so far this year, and seemingly the path they are heading towards for the second half of the 2023 football season. And I can understand why you would feel that way, especially after what happened this past Saturday against the Florida Gators. But I want you to hear me out for the next few minutes because I do believe that there is a case to be made that Safna's defense might actually have a good opportunity to get right this week against the Missouri Tigers offense because they dealt with a lot of the same offensive concepts that the Missouri Tigers like to run on that side of the football. I went back and watched some of the film on Missouri's offense, specifically from the LSU game for the most part. And when I watched this Tigers offense go to work, I noticed a lot of similarities between some of the things that they run and some of the concepts that South Carolina's defense has already dealt with. So let's start off with the zone run game. This is something that has been a staple of Missouri's offense ever since Eli Drinkwitz arrived in Columbia, Missouri back in 2020. Missouri is a football team that when they do like to run the football, they're going to use zone concepts. They only used one gap run blocking play against the LSU Tigers two weekends ago. Basically, only one play where they actually had a pulling offensive lineman going from one side of the formation to the other. They're going to otherwise use zone blocking schemes, whether it's inside zone or outside zone. They run a little bit of both in equal amounts. And South Carolina, in particular with the outside zone concepts, they've already dealt with this against Mississippi State and Florida. And the thing to keep in mind here is that in both of those games, while yes, the pass defense was definitely not up to snuff in either of those contests, they did a pretty decent job actually shutting down both of those teams' ground attacks outside of a couple of explosives that the Florida Gators got this past weekend. So, the Gamecocks, in terms of their rush defense, as long as they prepare properly, they should have a good chance to at least hold the Tigers in check in that aspect. Now let's move on to the passing game. The Missouri Tigers also like to use play action, particularly on first down plays. They will use their mixture of horizontal play action plays, which are especially a staple of a West Coast type offense, 
So they're not afraid to just basically throw it right in the flat area, right around the line of scrimmage, and let their tight ends and also some of their wide receivers at times go to work in that area, try to make defenders miss in the open field. But they will also take their shots deep down the field, whether it be on corner routes, maybe some post routes, and even just your good old-fashioned go routes, where you just tell the receiver just to go in a straight line all the way down the football field. They'll use a little bit of both. The Gamecocks, while they have definitely had their struggles against play-action plays, they have dealt with play-action shot concepts against Mississippi State, and they dealt with a heavy dosage of horizontal play-action concepts when they faced the Florida Gators this past weekend. And the Tigers will also use a good amount of pre-snap motion, specifically with One of their wide receivers, especially Luther Burden, their best player on that side of the ball, and their tight ends at the same time. South Carolina, again, dealt with this this past weekend against Florida. Now, I know what you're all going to sit there and say, Andrew, you're bringing all this up and that's all wonderful, but South Carolina did not slow down either of these teams, Florida or Mississippi State, when they played them. So why are you trying to tell us that this is actually a good thing heading into this football game? Should this make us a bit more worried? Maybe it does make some of you more concerned. But what I will say is, when it comes to the game of football, when you see certain concepts that you have already dealt with earlier in a football season... It makes the learning curve a lot less. It lessens that learning curve. It makes it easier to prepare for those concepts, especially when you look on paper. Again, Missouri has got some really good talent at certain spots. Luther Burden is certainly a stud at that slot position. Theo Weiss is a solid player in his own right. But on paper... Missouri is not maybe quite as talented as a team like Florida. Yes, that does not match up in terms of their win-loss record, but Missouri's also not played as many big-time opponents to this point. They faced Kansas State at home, they have faced LSU at home, and they played on the road at Kentucky. So, I'm not saying that South Carolina's defense is going to win the day against Missouri's offense. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is some people might suspect that, you know, with what all has happened recently and maybe their question marks regarding this staff's ability to make adjustments on that side of the ball, you might be looking on paper and saying, Missouri's offense is about to score 40 plus points, aren't they? I don't necessarily think that that is a guarantee. I do think that if South Carolina can prove that they have learned from their mistakes over the past few weeks against some of these opponents, particularly Mississippi State and Florida, if they can do that this week, and I know that that is a big if, but that would mean that, in my opinion, South Carolina, they actually progress on that side of the ball this weekend. Maybe they don't let Missouri's offense basically just put the game out of arm's reach as it progresses on Saturday afternoon. So, Don't completely throw in the towel on this Gamecock defense this coming weekend. Obviously, the embarrassment of what happened this past Saturday, you know it's going to be resting on their minds. And with everything, again, that they've already faced up to this point in the year, it's not like they're going to be caught off guard with what all schematically they'll have to deal with on Saturday. And I think that that's going to play a really important role, more so than people are going to give it credit for as we get closer to this matchup. 
Now, obviously, you can game plan all you want for these concepts, but at the end of the day, much like in the Florida game and the Mississippi State game, you need to have your players on the football field flat out make plays when they need to. And there are a couple particular position groups that are going to be really important for the Gamecocks defense in this matchup. And I'll discuss which position groups those are in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. The Carolina Panthers' win total is currently set at 3.5 wins by the FanDuel oddsmakers. The over for this win total is set at minus 142, and the under is currently set at plus 116. The Panthers this week announced that Frank Reich has officially passed on offensive play calling duties to the offensive coordinator and title in Thomas Brown. And sure, the Panthers have absolutely stunk to this point in the year, but it's hard to only win three games or less on your schedule with the Panthers having as much talent as they do, particularly on defense. So I kind of feel like that that over is still a good bet right here. If you think so as well, now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. When I look at this football game between South Carolina's defense and the Missouri Tigers offense, there are two particular position groups that I think are going to have to step up in a big way, if the Gamecocks are going to walk out of Columbia, Missouri with a victory by the end of Saturday. And those two position groups are South Carolina's linebackers and defensive tackles. Let's start off this conversation with South Carolina's linebackers. When I was watching the Florida game unfold this past weekend, I'm going to be honest with all of you. I did not think that this was the best game that the linebackers for South Carolina had had to this point in the season. 
I thought that with what Florida did employ on Saturday afternoon this past weekend, that South Carolina's linebackers, quite frankly, got lost on multiple occasions, didn't exactly know where their man had gone, maybe actually misplayed their assignment on critical downs, such as third down, which led to easy conversions for the Florida Gators offense. Did not happen often, excuse me, did not happen often, but happened enough to where, obviously, it took a toll on this defense on certain drives. That cannot happen again this weekend. It absolutely cannot under any circumstances. And again, Missouri, as I mentioned earlier, they do run certain concepts that Florida also ran this past weekend, which is a good thing because, again, you'll be able to easily recognize some of these concepts when you're watching the film. But also, if you haven't made the proper adjustments, if you this time around don't play against those concepts correctly in terms of your technique and your fundamentals, then, uh, yeah, you might end up getting run off the field once again. But obviously, it's not just South Carolina's linebackers. Everybody's got to play a role. But these linebackers are going to have to play a real critical role in this game because of how Missouri uses their horizontal play-action passing game, how they utilize motion, and obviously with the ground game as well. South Carolina's linebackers are going to have to be on their A game this weekend. And that's not even incorporating the fact that right now Stone Bland is listed as questionable for this contest, according to Shane Beamer. There is a chance that Stone Bland is not able to go. And if that ends up happening, that basically means that South Carolina is going to be down to three main contributors that they have actually relied on to a certain degree this point this season. And that would be Debo Williams, Grayson Pop Howard, and I believe Bam Martin Scott. And that is it. You really don't have a whole lot of guys behind them that have actually played really any defensive snaps to this point in the season. So that means that if Stone Bland, again, can't go in this game, you're going to have a lot of snaps being played by at least Debo Williams and probably a split between Bam Martin Scott and Grayson Pub Howard to try to keep both of those guys fresh. So that also makes it even more imperative that you cannot stay on the field for long periods of time like you did this past weekend against Florida. And that leads me into how this discussion revolves around also the interior defensive linemen for this Gamecock defense. We all know by this point in the season, this pass rush is just not very good for South Carolina. I'm not trying to be harsh about it, but at the same time, we've just got to face reality at this point. This is a very suboptimal pass rush. These guys do not win one-on-ones very often, um, and that is part of the reason why this pass defense has been torched on several occasions this year. In my opinion, if South Carolina is going to have a good day in terms of their pass rush, if they're going to make Brady Cook at least feel a bit unsettled back there in the pocket, because if you can rattle him, his accuracy does drop off significantly when he is under duress, I think that South Carolina's defensive tackles are going to have to play a big part in that. And I'm specifically talking about Tonka Hemingway, Alex Spooky Huntley, who I got to give credit to. I think Huntley in particular He's gotten better at getting after the quarterback this year. Saw a lot of effort from him in that game against the Florida Gators. Tonka Hemingway, he has gotten better over the past couple weeks. Kind of looks like the Tonka Hemingway that we all saw back in 2022. 
winning some one-on-ones, getting to the quarterback almost inside of three seconds, which is pretty good for a defensive lineman, especially considering the modern offenses that we see today in the sport. TJ Sanders, unfortunately, has been dinged up a little bit for the past couple of games. He did play a little bit more as last weekend's game progressed, so hopefully that means that he is feeling like he's getting back at least close to 100%, and he can come back and contribute for this defensive line because, quite frankly, they need him. I think he's one of the better defensive linemen that this team has this year. Xavier McLeod, true freshman, got a pretty decent uptick in his snaps. Ask Shane Beamer about that during his Sunday teleconference call with the media a couple days back, and he said that Xavier McLeod, he's been consistent in practice, so therefore, he earned the right to be able to play more on the football field against Florida. He could be a guy that, again, could be important in this game whenever he's out there on the football field. With Brady Cook, I will say this. He has gotten better as a passer, and he's also still a very good athlete. South Carolina found out the hard way last year in 2022 that Brady Cook is definitely a guy that can make you pay if you leave green grass in front of him. So, South Carolina's interior defensive linemen, they have to make sure that their pass rushing integrity remains solid. That they don't basically get just washed out of plays and there's a gap the size of a Mack truck that's wide open in the middle of the formation. They cannot let that happen. Because if you do, Brady Cook, if he does not find anybody down the field, this guy can take off running. He's got legitimate four, low four six, four five type speed. He can get chunks of yards pretty doggone quickly and he can make you pay if you do not account for him so for the interior defensive lineman you've got to make sure that you get pressure on Brady Cook but also just as importantly you have to make sure that you do not get just completely washed out of these plays and basically allow there to be a wide open gap in the middle of the line That is where Brady Cook can expose you if you do let that happen. So, for differing reasons in this game, South Carolina's linebackers and defensive tackles, they're going to be critical. If both of those units play well, then I think that South Carolina's defense, that means they've had a good game. And I think it also means that South Carolina has a chance to pull off what right now would be qualified as an upset in the other Columbia. So... Those two position groups, very important in this contest. I highly debated if I wanted to talk about this, but you know what? I'm going to. There's been a lot of negative publicity regarding Shane Beamer over the past couple of days. Some fans are upset about it. Some fans actually might concur with it. And there's other fans that probably are asking themselves, how should they feel about all of this? Should they be maybe a bit worried? That's the group of fans that I specifically want to talk to in a couple of moments. Before we touch on that entire topic, today's show is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to its peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED 
headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Shane Beamer has made the headlines the past couple days and honestly, he's made it for the wrong reasons. Now, obviously, there were some post-game comments after the Florida game that kind of blew up on social media. Because a lot of people viewed Shane Beamer's comments after the Florida game as comments basically deflecting the blame to the players on the football field. Some people felt like that maybe he did not really take any accountability at all when he made those comments. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go on back and listen to it. Literally the first question that he gets asked by the media pool that was there in person for the game and he just rattled off all these things about pressure, guys not maybe executing them properly. I'm not really here to get into all of that or the fact that he made it known yesterday afternoon that apparently he broke a bone in his foot because he kicked something that he, quote, shouldn't have kicked after the Gamecocks lost to the Florida Gators on Saturday. The point being, those comments have led to a minor firestorm of criticism from some people, including some pundits in the college football national media space. And so... There's been a lot of different opinions from Gamecock country the past couple of days. There are some that, you know, absolutely back Shane Beamer because they think that him giving the responses that he has shows that he's got a lot of fire behind him, that he truly does care about what's happening right now, that he is not happy with what all has happened so far this season, and that he wants to right the ship. There are other people that, quite frankly, don't want to hear at all anything about that, and they're kind of sitting there thinking, well, if you are that upset about what all's going on, then maybe you should be doing more and trying to change the fortunes of this team with half the season remaining in 2023. I'm not again here to delve into that portion. The people I'm here to talk with are the ones that are maybe a bit worried about the fact that there's so many people, I shouldn't say so many people, that there's some people out there that are going after Shane and, you know, starting to say that, you know, hey, this is a guy that seems to deflect some of the blame whenever his team is having a low moment, that this is a guy that, you know, is kind of just joking about the fact that he broke a bone in his foot, which obviously is not a regular occurrence for all these major college football head coaches. So if you're asking the question, should I be worried about some of the negative publicity that the head coach has gotten over the past couple days. My answer to that question would be no. I don't think you need to worry about it. Now, does that absolve Shane Beamer of completely what he has done? No. We've talked about this before. Shane Beamer wears his emotions on his sleeve. I think that we all know that 
quite well by this point. And when you're a person that wears your emotions on your sleeve, that can be a good thing at times, and it can also work to your detriment. And Shane Beamer has felt both sides of that since he took the job here at South Carolina. And there are certainly some times where, yeah, he gets a bit testy. He gets a bit defensive. There's no question about that either. But I do think that part of it does come from a place of, you know, he wants this program to do well. As much as some people might, you know, be driven crazy at times thinking that, you know, he's maybe not altering enough. Maybe he's not, you know, sort of putting his foot down enough in the middle of the season. I do think that there's a part of Shane, obviously, that's, you know, not happy with what else happened. He's certainly not happy that the team start off two and four. He's not happy about the fact that he's finally, you know, got a star quarterback, a guy that is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the entire sport this year in Spencer Rattler. And in a way, it has kind of been wasted. Not even kind of, it has been wasted. And I do think that that is part of the frustration and part of why he sort of has had some of these moments the past couple of days. But that leads me to say this. I don't think you need to worry about what a guy like Paul Feinbaum says. Okay? I don't think you need to worry about a no-context college football Twitter account going out there and posting the clip of what Jim Beaver said this past Saturday without any added context. I don't think you need to worry about any of that. Again, does that mean that Shane Beamer should not be criticized? No, it does not. Shane Beamer deserves some criticism. Shane Beamer is the head coach of an SEC football program, a football program that right now is having a down year. And in some ways, it's not his staff's fault. It's not his fault. In other ways, there's valid reason to look at him and question why certain areas have seemingly regressed so much, or why maybe certain position groups are not performing as well as they were maybe the first couple of years that he was here. There's perfect reason to question him. But in terms of the national publicity, the negative publicity he's gotten from some people the past couple of days, I don't think you need to worry about that. Not right now, at least. Now, I will say this. If it becomes an ongoing trend where every single week, with the defense in particular, Shane is defensive and testy with the media. Maybe he's having to clarify his comments even more so as this season continues to progress. If that happens, then yes, I think that you would need to worry a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think that Shane Beamer, quite frankly, is learning some hard lessons right now. Shane Beamer, in my opinion, I think he is a good, genuine, honest guy. And I think that he tries to convey that while he is wearing a coaching hat on Saturdays or on Tuesdays or on Sundays, whenever he's talking to the media, whenever that may be. But sometimes, obviously, that genuineness and that full-blown transparency and honesty with how you really feel, I think that what he's going to have to understand is there is a time and place, I guess. that That's probably the best way to put it. There is a time and place to wear those emotions on your sleeve. But there's also a time and place where as much as you might feel one way, you just got to conceal it. You got to conceal it. You got to hold off on it. Take some time to ponder and think on it, maybe before you say anything. Because again, 
even if you didn't mean any ill will or any harm by what you say or how you say it, it opens the door for those critics that obviously don't know the football program like the fans do and like people who cover them locally do, but people nonetheless that have a pretty big voice in this space, that have a lot of weight behind their opinions, that people automatically back just because they've got a certain name or a certain stature in the national media landscape. I've talked about this before. Perception is reality in this sport. That doesn't just go for how a team is viewed. It also goes for how a coach is viewed as well. And if Shane Beamer creates a habit of having to clarify comments, and again, being testy and defensive, having these clips taken out of his press conferences, being plastered all over the place, if that becomes a trend, then guess what? Pretty soon, you'll have the entire rest of the sport sitting there thinking, gee whiz, this is a guy that doesn't take any accountability. Even though that's not the case, he has said plenty of times before, hey, we got to play better, but we also got to coach better. He typically says that every single week. He's not wrong when he says that. But perception is reality in this sport. And the national media space drives perception of programs at the end of the day. They just do. That's just the way things are in this sport. So do I think you need to worry if you're a fan regarding the negative publicity he's gotten the past couple of days. No, I don't think you need to worry. But again, I alluded to it a couple minutes ago. Shane Beamer, look, this is his first head coaching job. And when it comes to these situations, sometimes, especially dealing with the media, um, in certain moments, he shows that. He does. And I think that he's probably, again, learned some hard lessons the past couple of days about maybe, you know, how he's got to go about certain things moving forward when he has some of these press conferences. So with all that being said, that does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What do you think about the possibility of this game being maybe a good get-right opportunity for South Carolina's defense because of how Missouri's offense operates in terms of a concept standpoint? Who do you think the key players are for South Carolina's defense this week? And also, what are your thoughts on the criticism that Shane Beamer has gotten the past couple days? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. If you watch today's show on YouTube, or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC. If you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.